Welcome to Christians in the Public Square with your hosts, Cole Bennett and Scott Self. Hey, buddy. <laughs> well, hey there, buddy. Um, How are things in East Tennessee? Oh, beautiful. Oh, Cole, the, the leaves are all changing. I was going to say, like, next year you got to come at this time. But it turns out this time is different every year. I didn't know that. You can't like predict when the when the fall leaves are going to be at their brightest. Did you what, know this? What are these leaves you're speaking of? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know that autumn came at a different time each year. So um, when I'm starting to, because this is my second autumn. So uh, I'm starting to see a pat, some of the patterns. I don't know if they're patterns or not. I'm sniffing them out. The hickory tree in the front turned yellow right after the dogwood tree changed color. So that seems to, that seems consistent with last year and the cherry tree now is about to jump. And that feels like it was the last one last year. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting these notes in the podcast for posterity so that a year from now I can go back and listen and find out it have happened the same way this time. It's so beautiful, but I have a lot of leaves to rake. And so now I have a new system. I've, I've spent like, probably 600 bucks on a leaf <laughs> on a leaf system this year a leaf system yeah well i had to first i had to get one of those backpack leaf blowers oh. not not the kind that has a little battery on the back or an elect with an electric cord that's lightweight stuff and to get a real one look like rocket man you got jet fuel in there uh-huh uh-huh all right uh yeah it puts out a lot of cv cvfs <laughs> i think or CFVs anyway. And then I had to get um, a burn barrel and I had to get a, um, a leaf, a thing that breaks my leaves down into um, mulch. I got a whole system ready. Dude, you're all in. Yeah. You know what I forgot to buy is some extra M91 masks because COVID's <laughs> one thing. And then the pollen in the leaves is another. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. They uh, folks did not log in to hear about leaves. Right. What are we talking about today after our tenants? Oh, let's start with the tenants. Yes. Sacred cows make great, delicious barbecue. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, um, scoff at orthodoxy whenever we please. Right. What's number two? Fly your flag proudly. We will vigorously defend our positions, though we may have some substantial pushback from our neighbor. Yeah. And number three is actually what we're uh, and we've we've done this before, but I think today we're going to end up talking about number three, which is bros before politicos. Yeah, and what do we we decided to admit something to our listeners this week? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a confession. I think it's just uh, the the real kind of showing some of the backstage of the challenge of doing our podcast, which is we sat down to record last week and we discovered we weren't ready. <laughs> Um, no, I, and, and I appreciate that Cole, uh, I I felt, I felt my emotions well up and I think you might have too. And, you know, it was able, we were able to say, let's kind of think about this some more. And that's really, really part of this whole thing is, um, caring about the other person more than we care about our position Mm -hmm. that mattered to me Yes, and that, that we were able to think through that. 
And listeners may be thinking, wow, that must be some really hot topic, but not not really. No, I don't think it's the hottest one we've ever done. (laughs) But um, yeah, but I that's and ultimately, I think it ended up changing our topic a little bit (laughs) Um, because it started off, you know, is the church too woke or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um. And I and I and I think we're still going to kind of talk about that a little bit, but I think it gave us time to process actually where we did want to be uh, by the time we finished. And there's an article or two that prodded us on into this topic, and so discussing how, show notes, yeah, in show notes, and the the our preliminary discussions about the articles it, uh, is what made us realize. Um, that there was more discussion needed before we tried to record anything, although it's still a a weird subject to try to get our hands around. Yeah. So let me tell you why. Let me let me describe where I wanted to go originally. Okay. I've made the argument uh, earlier in the podcast that there are, I think there is a temptation, um, and there are plenty of examples of the church allowing the conversation in the public square to become the topic of our conversation. I I feel like this happens a lot. Uh, I feel like it happens a lot in one direction or it's the one side. And I think you think it happens a lot on the other side. I think you're wrong, but I do. I, I, I also believe that it's wrong for the, for the culture to define what the church ought to be talking about. Yeah. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's where we agree. Yeah, I do think we agree there that that it's in in its most ideal form that it should be a one way membrane. We should be the ones doing the hard work. If we're going to talk about racial reconciliation, we're the ones that should do the hard work and and the world should change because of our agency in the world. But that maybe the world shouldn't give us the vocabulary, maybe the world shouldn't give us the priorities. And so I shared an article that I felt like was, was at least getting at that. And it's in show notes and I don't, I'm not really interested in talking about that article anymore. Uh, I do want to talk about the Washington post article. Well, at least perhaps mention the name of the article. So our listeners will know which one we started with that you, that we decided wasn't the best one. Okay. Well, it, it's it's an article in Religion Dispatches, religiondispatches.org. That's a thing. I think it's a, a fairly well-written article um, that kind of explores the history of CRT and evangelicalism. And part of the reason for that is there are some arguments, and, and I think he's, I think the author is uh, carefully trying to point out this is not something that happened on Tucker Carlson one evening, which is the way it's it oftentimes gets characterized is, well, you know, Tucker Carlson ruined the church with this conversation about CRT. And, and actually um, what I think Johnson is doing in the article, I'm not sure that you agree with his motives, but I think what Johnson is trying to do in the article is say, uh, let's, let's note here that there are some antecedents to that, that have existed um, there are conversations that have been going on about the relationship between Christianity and evangelicalism. 
And there are folks who have said things like critical race theory is antithetical to the gospel. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and that the, the, the moment that most, that most of the conversation about CRT critical race theory and the, and evangelicalism, the moment on Tucker Carlson, where a lot of that seems to have reached a, a boiling point, the Bunsen burner had been turned on much earlier. Mm, right. I think that's his argument. I'm not, sh- and, and that's where we, that's where we were uh, beginning to, f- to see differences is that you thought he might be making a different argument and you're an expert in arguments. So I'm somewhat <laughs> bereft. <laughs> <laughs> but then we found a better article. I think the Washington Post article is a better article. Uh, so if you're looking at it in the show notes, uh, the Washington Post article is um, um, it's called uh, in a post-Trump world. These pastors are ditching the evangelical labor for some label for something new. Still, this question of uh, race. In this case, it also includes LGBTQ conversations. and and the relationship with evangelicalism. Yeah, and I think it would be appropriate to say uh, sort of what these articles have in common is they are both talking about the church and societal conversations about identity and labels and societal or public square conversations about how important it is to agree or not on uh, terms and terminologies and what's driving the conversation and what is reacting to the conversation. And so you and I, I think, have arrived at a point to talk about the difference between the church sitting still and reacting to things um, versus the church trying to lead difficult conversations in a gospel-centered way. Difficult conversations that are about identity and labels, right? Yeah. In fact, I think I think the conversation needs to be about whether whether the church whether we've whether we've fallen into the trap and allowed the world to define our religion as an identity religion. Yeah. I mean, we have identity politics, but we brought that into into the sanctuary in many ways. And frankly, that's kind of what the second article is talking about. Yeah, I think so. About how uh, many religious people, some are religious leaders and some are just churchgoers, but mostly the article was about religious leaders, have decided to abandon any semblance of church that says, we don't support this identity label or this identity um, initiative or so forth. Yeah, and... By the way, when, while I'm likely to be politically aligned with maybe many of the uh, attendants of the of the conference that uh, are interviewed in the article, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of this statement. Well, you shouldn't have to li- uh, believe in anything in particular to be a part of this group, they said. Okay, I like that so far. Before pausing to reconsider, well, if you're racist and homophobic, you might be uncomfortable. Okay, who decides that what I believe is racist or homophobic? And the 
the conversation that this is uh, that 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 making you uncomfortable is uh, part of the deal, I think, is starting to assert that we want to have a place where person X is comfortable, but person Y is uncomfortable. I'm not tickled with that. I'd like to have a conversation where per person X and Y are both comfortable and challenged, <laughs> yeah. right? I As soon as you start saying X is should be welcome and Y should be uncomfortable in our, in our assembly, I have some other things to add to the list of people who ought to be uncomfortable. What about wife beaters? Because <laughs> I want them to be uncomfortable. Or those who envy. Yeah. Uh, or, or people who um, sow dissension. Right. <laughs> Paul has a list of people who ought to be uncomfortable, and also, they uh, we need to work it out together. So it's it's a it's a combination of being welcome and and also being in a, a state of evolution or flux or development that we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's both, Cole. It's both. So, Scott, I think, let me just take a stab at something. I think if I can essentialize your opinion, your your position, uh, you would say to the writers of this article, it's not fair to determine who gets to be uncomfortable and who doesn't get to be uncomfortable. If you're going to have a place where everyone is, where only people who are who I think should be comfortable are comfortable. You are asserting a position, even if you say you're not. It, yeah, and that the position is one that uh, parses out the sheep and the goats. What do you mean? Uh, that tries to tries to weed out the 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 wheat from the chaff. Christ says that's his job. Uh, okay, not. Not the committee's job, not the church committee's job. Yeah, I think you, for for purposes of clarification, you said something a moment ago. A moment ago, that our listeners might need you to elaborate a bit on. Okay, you said you were totally comfortable with the statement. You don't have to believe in any certain thing. What is it? The first thing you read? You don't have to. You shouldn't have to believe in anything in particular to be a part of this group. Yeah, I think <laughs> Paul probably about, disagrees with that. <laughs> how about that? Jesus died on the cross. Re resurrection. Yeah, Jesus. Paul. Uh, yeah. Corinthians, Paul says, yeah, it's resurrection is kind of one of those things for Paul. Right. It's so not I, for me. I, okay. But I think that you would not say that Christianity is anything goes. Right. Okay. I wouldn't say Christianity is anything goes. Yeah. Um, and so believe in anything in particular, I, I would want to know from that person, what do they mean by that? Mm -hmm. um, I think if they mean, uh, you know, you don't need to believe in a political system to be a part of our group. Yeah. Um, if you're saying I don't need to believe that um, Donald Trump was God's choice. Yeah. I don't have to believe that. I shouldn't have to believe that to be a part of this group. Right. That um, or I don't have to believe that. Uh, that racism is a, an, an inevitable construct in our culture. I shouldn't have to believe that to be a part of the group. No. 
nor do I have to believe that taking care of the poor means voting for big government right. and entitlement programs. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would really be interested to uh to have I guess in the political this is why this is why this frustrate this is so frustrating is I'm going to be using language from the public square about it but I would like the church to be a big tent insofar as that that tent is about what identities are brought into the church every identity is welcome to me every there are only two kinds of people in the universe, Cole. There are those who belong to God and those whom he wished belonged to him. Right. That's that's the only two kinds of people there are. And so wishing the the people that he wishes belong to him, I want I want for them to be reconciled to God for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Because I love him, because I know the passion that and I see the sacrifice that that God has paid to be reconciled to his creation. I don't want you to be saved for your sake. I want you to be saved for God's sake. It cost him too much. And it matters to me. It, that sacrifice is, I, I can't claim to love him and not see how much it rips him up that my neighbors don't belong to him. And so that's where, that's why I still call myself an evangelical. By the way, I do call myself an evangelical because evangelical means a person of the good news. And the good news is that God desires a relationship with his people. I'm not giving that over. And that's part of why I'm a little frustrated at this article. I'm not giving that over to Joe Sixpack. Joe Sixpack doesn't get to say evangelical is a dirty word anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out how to live it to where it's not a dirty word, where it's a good word, because it is literally a good word. Anyway, so what might you say to the people um, you and I talked earlier before that we started recording about how the writer of this Washington Post article was trying pretty hard to be neutral and say, hey, here here are some conversations I've had with people. Thank you and good night. You know, well, I thought that. Yes. And was not trying was not being polemic so much in the writing of the article. Yeah. And so my question is, what might you say not to the writer of the article but to the people in the article who were interviewed if they if if someone came into their church and said hey i really want to come to this church um but i feel very strongly that you know and then you could insert an, an opinion here that's not popular like there are only two sexes male and female i don't i don't subscribe to the the transgender movement or i don't believe that uh, you should marry two same-sex people, but I still want to come to church here because I love God and I I want to be part of this community. And the people in the article, it seems, would not be very happy with that and and not be very inclined to welcome that person. So, how does what you're saying speak to those people? I would really like to encourage those the the the, the folks that were that were interviewed. I would like to encourage them to think about something other than the identities that folks are bringing to the church. Look, I think there are two things that happen. Uh, one is one is whether the whether folks are welcome. And the other is whether folks are expected to change. And both of those things go together. Zacchaeus's experience 
with with Christ at at that meal, he you know he comes Jesus comes to Zacchaeus's house. Uh, that's the welcoming part, and then Zacchaeus stands up and says, "Look, if I've taken from anyone, I give back." You know what he does? He 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 has an he has a transformative experience that comes out of welcoming. And so I want to be careful that we don't just talk about being safe spaces. You're not safe. You're going to change. But also really thinking hard about what that change is going to be. I don't think that I have said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more, Cole. I don't think it's my job to change your point of view. If you change your point of view, I will, it would be a sad day for me. If you stop being Cole Bennett, who is, uh, I mean, at a cellular level, a libertarian, it would be a sad day. I don't want that for you. I don't want it for the world. I don't want it for me. I don't want it for anybody. So if, if changing your mind is not the point of being in communion and in a, and in a relationship in communion with God, in communion in the in the body of Christ. If that's not the point, what is the point? How should you be transforming? And I think we ought to talk about that point. I think you. I think it is entirely fair, and I have done it in the past, and I'll continue to do it in the future to say, well, Colette, I, I think I would like for you to rethink that thing, right? So-and-so is evil, or that uh, that this is the best thing to do. I'd like to talk about those things. I'd like to challenge each, I'd like for you to challenge me. I'd like for me to challenge you. Even as we were preparing for this podcast today, you said, no, 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 Scott, I want you to think about this. And you said the rhetoric is, and I was like, okay, okay, no, 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 Cole's right. I've got to hear what Cole has to say. Those are not the same thing as changing my mind. Yes, but I think the places where you and I disagree can be more cerebral than the than the subject matter that people are talking about in the article where they come resisting same-sex marriage and resisting i mean those those tend to get people pretty triggered pretty quickly you know so i'm wondering if what a person would say in, in the article they might say listen scott self if i'm going to welcome if we are going to welcome a person in this church and worship alongside them are you saying we are not in any way um, attempting to perhaps change their view, but only try to let God change their view uh, as a result of coming to church here? Um, well, as we were preparing for the podcast, I noted that we've done a very poor job of this for 2,000 years. I don't think we're all of a sudden going to figure it out. <laughs> um, we, don't have a lot, we don't have a lot of positive antecedents. Uh, or a lot of positive examples in church history of deciding what's most important and focusing on that. But I do think that scripture does give us some insight as to how that might be happening. I mean, Paul in Philippians is now I have to set a caveat to the side. Not that Paul's a racist or a misogynist. That's the one that I always hear. It's that's not the one as Paul does have some things that are non-negotiables like resurrection that's a non-negotiable for paul and maybe it should be i i'm not saying it shouldn't be i'm just saying that paul does have some things that you ought to believe and he wants you to believe them um but philippians is an interesting 
as, as an interesting case study in what it means to be united in who Christ is and to be transformed by Christ's nature, because that's it's the 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 context for um, Philippians is that there are two ladies who aren't getting along at church, and they show up at a certain point. Yoda and Synthike are not getting along, and um, all the way up until that point, Paul makes an argument that the church is united, but it's united around a character of and a virtue of kenosis that though he was in the form of God did not consider Christ did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited or held on to. It's hard to translate that word, but he emptied himself and emptied himself is this word kenosis. It's, it's an imagery of, it's not pouring. It's we, sometimes we say pouring out, I think the best colloquial translation for us in our time is dumped. Um, or it's dumped. not just, huh? Dumped. <laughs> yeah. You, so it's when you take a, if, if you take a pitcher and you just turn it entirely over and just pour it completely out, dump it out. Okay. Uh, that's the word kenosis. And in, in other words, he just got rid of it. He's dumped it and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And, the Paul tells that story or sings that recites that hymn for a reason. That's the character of the church. That's the have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is the character of the church is that when I go to church, I lose so much of my own identity. I leave it. When I become a part of the body of Christ at the end of Revelation, at the throne scene, we have Christ's name written on our foreheads, not Scott. It doesn't say Scott on my forehead. It says Christ. And it says it on your forehead too, Cole. That's the name that's written on us. And until we get some, until that becomes the most important thing, it'll never be the most important thing. Until we pour ourselves out and say, I, I don't have, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not an expert in whatever it is I'm an expert in. I'm not the wisest guy. Uh, and so, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't call each at church. We didn't call, you know, the older brothers and sisters. We didn't call them Mr. Smith and Mrs. Smith. Remember what you called them? Brother Smith. Brother Smith. Yeah. Um, and that was because we emptied ourselves of our titles. And so Dr. So-and-so, who's Dr. So-and-so in the public square, when he got to church, he was brother so-and-so. We lost our titles. I kind of like that. That I'm, It's not necessary, but it was a practice of saying, eh, I'm, not, I'm not bringing that stuff into the, into the sanctuary. When I meet in the sanctuary, figuratively, I'm not bringing it into my church family because my church family are my family. Okay. And that's my identity. Okay. Go ahead. I, I, I'm going to, I know of our 17,000 listeners, I'm going to adopt the cynic and I'm going to press you to immediate application, both for the sake of time and the sake of the person listening who says, Scott, that is really cool and everything. But I, okay. I stand 
at the back of my church on a Sunday morning and I look over the people I go to church with. There are people there who think that critical race theory is the way forward for us to reconcile racial differences. There are people there who think CRT is a vapid, argument-free separator and divider of people's souls. There are people there who would immediately want our church to begin having same-sex weddings and others who are still very convinced that homosexual behavior is a sin. How does what you were saying play out on Sunday morning? Because the tension is real. It, it, it uh, stands on top of our conversations that we have between church and class and coffee time. It is thick and it is in the room and it is palpable. So what in the world does what you're saying, how does it apply in 2021 on Sunday morning? Um, to some degree, it won't. What I mean is, as long as the context is going to be that the church is an organization to which we are members, and uh, we show up to a building, and that building is a group of people who have um, agreed to go there because we uh, think alike, or because we are unchallenged or because as long as we're going to do church the way we've been doing church, then Cole, I don't have any answers. Okay. I don't have any answers. There's a larger lever that you're trying to pull. That's right. I, I, uh, but he, but, but, but if you'll watch for it, it happens. A, A couple of weeks ago, I was at Bible study and, uh, one of the, one of the members of that Bible study of our Bible class, uh, she's a, she's an elderly woman, very outspoken. Um, I'm not going to say her name, although I would, cause I just want to brag about her. Uh, but she has, a, and this is not about, this is not about politics. This is about scripture. She has a point of view about some of the texts and how those relate to what we ought to be doing. And uh, so when folks want to do something different than that, it bothers her conscience. And um, this is true for a number of people who have worshiped at our congregation and who have left over the last few years. And she shared in Bible class that she was thinking of leaving too. And then COVID happened and she couldn't go to church for a year and a half. And after a year and a half, she said, I don't care about any of that anymore. I just wanted to see y'all. That's so sweet. I, I, it just ripped me up. I thought, here's a lady who gets it. I mean, she's not only, not only does she get it, but that's a kind of confessional way of speaking to one another and saying, I'm, my better angels got called to here and I'm going to throw them out to the rest of you too. Uh, and I grew in that moment because of, because she called me to the better angels of my nature by sharing that story. Um, So there is a person who figured out how to dump stuff out (laughs) and, um, and realized what's more important in, in a moment, she realized what was more important. That doesn't mean the people who decided to go to this other congregation are bad or they made a bad choice. It's just, they missed an opportunity and she, because of COVID, found that opportunity and um that is church 
dude, that's church. Um, everything else is really kind of silly to me. Um, so I don't have an answer. I don't, um, I don't think there's a recipe that involves growing an organization and the size of the campus that that organization meets at. One second, Scott. My Roomba's coming in here. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Go back. Go back. Okay. I shut it in my bedroom. My bedroom. Get no supper. It's going to be real clean now. That reminds me of when my, the church I go to now had listening sessions and quite a bit of, um, of study and, and church input about a difficult topic. And I remember so well one of, the, one of the sisters I go to church with saying, well, I really don't agree with where these conversations are headed, but I'm not going to leave this church if we decide to go this way. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, that's that's brave, and it's um, it's a different view of church. Yeah, we have to do it. We have to do it on that stuff because if we don't do it on that stuff, we can't do it on anything. We have to do it on text first. We have to do it on uh, uh, on issues of faith. We have to do it there first because if we don't do it there first, we're not going to do it on anything. I don't know how we figure out. Uh, I don't know how we figure out how to resolve the stuff that's happening in the public square, but if we can't figure out how to get along on the order of worship, if we can't figure out how to get along on whether we use King James or NIV, if we can't figure out how to get along on other stuff, how the heck are we going to get along on, uh, on the stuff that the world is throwing at us? Right. So let me then drive toward, I think, where where we want to end up. And that is, I want to tell the listeners that Scott and I had a conversation several years ago that I remember so vividly because it was kind of a, a new way for me to think of the church's role in the civil rights movement. And, you know, I, I hadn't given much thought to that for part of my life except to say, um, you know, I knew people like my dad and some of his friends who um, were not interested in having segregated parts of businesses or whatever. And that I really didn't know how the church acted in the 50s because I wasn't alive then in, in 60s, late 60s I was born. But I remember us talking about, imagine if the church had immediately and loudly come out and said every Christian in this group, in our churches, in this coalition, whatever, this convention, every Christian business owner will categorically not participate in the separate entrances, separate lunch counters, separate times. We are not interested in that. African Americans are welcome in our businesses. Imagine if that had been the church's response instead of a passive instead of a passive one mm. imagine how that would have led the movement so let me ask you scott what opportunities do you see in 2021 for us to perhaps lead movements 
you want to volunteer anything? Any? Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess what I'm confessing, Cole, is I don't. That's part of where I'm where I'm getting at, and I don't mean this in a cynical way. I don't mean to say, well, you know, we don't have any business doing that because we're not ready because we we've, we've been such failures for two thousand years. But I think we first we first have to decide what is important to us. Uh, you know, you you're the one that brought up First John two seventeen to think about a way of talking about this podcast. Um. And that this world is passing away. I think it's possible to read John in um, an eschatological sense that he's talking about the end of the cosmos and that heaven is eternal and the cosmos are temporal. And that's possible. But I think it's also possible to read it in a um, in a process way. And by that, I mean, we're not worried about who's Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We're not worried about uh, having conversations about whether we should or shouldn't have a Magna Carta. Things change. The context changes and the world uh, that seems so important now passes away. I, I know that it's a, a somewhat sacrilegious song uh, and burns a lot of sacred cows. But Sting's song uh, all this time makes that point oh, that the river flows. It's, it's the same river and the, the world changes around it and the conversations about what's important change around it, but the river flows. And I'm a part of the body of Christ because I believe it's eternal. I believe it's something that I believe love is forever. Um, and so as long as we're going to spend our time thinking about the hot topic of today, um, and what our position is on that, we're going to make it unwelcoming. Mm. Um, and as long as, as, uh, as long as we're going to keep trying to figure out, well, this is a group of people who, and we're going to have this position. And that's why I'm a little frustrated with this phrase of, well, if you're a racist and a homophobic, and there are people who get called racist and homophobic quite a bit for their political point of view, who might read that and say, yeah, uh, I'm re I'm hearing rhetoric. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing an argument that I don't belong here because I think about things differently than you do. Mm -hmm. If you're hearing that, then shame on us and let not, not just shame on us. Like that's just so sad. Let's fix it. Let's figure out what is important. Let's figure out what it means to be in a community that pours itself out for one another. That's a great question. If you don't get to that point, how do you get to the point where we have anything to say to the public square about how to resolve conflict and how to be uh, uh, how, how to engage difficult conversations in a healthy way? My point is our podcast is important. Not just that, not that people ought to listen, but that the tenets of the podcast are important. Until you decide we're brothers, and everything else is details. Until you can get there, it's not the church. And when you do get there, it is the church and it's transformative, Cole. It changes the world.